welcome. Good to have you here, Matt Garner. And uh, we're going to get into the Word today. Right now, let's go to Acts chapter 3, um, where we're going to spend a few sessions just extrapolating a few thoughts out of it today. And I just hope it blesses you. I hope it really challenges you today. Let's read. Now, Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain lame man from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask for alms, to ask for alms from those who enter the temple, who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms and fixing his eyes on him. With John, Peter said, look at us. So they So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold, I do not have, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he, and, um, he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them. Walking, leaping, and praising God. Verse number nine, and all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Your word's powerful. And Holy Spirit, right now, we just invite your presence. We invite you. We come into an awareness that you're here right now. We come into an awareness that your glory is in the room. It's on the train. It's in the gym. It's at home. It's wherever we are in this moment. And Father, that's what we do. We just still our heart. We still our mind. And we direct it towards you, Jesus. So Holy Spirit, I'm asking that you'd come upon us. You'd move in us. You'd move for us. You'd move in us and you'd move through us. Speak to our hearts, change our lives. And let your presence, the reality of your presence, be known in this moment in Jesus' mighty name. Well, this is a phenomenal miracle. And it's a miracle that kicks the church off into something crazy and something powerful. In fact, the next chapter, chapter four, is really around what happens as a result of this miracle. And we'll talk a bit about that in another time. But this is a phenomenal miracle. What I love about it is Peter and John are just on their way to pray. But there's something happens about life when you have the Holy Spirit within you. And when you have the Holy Spirit come on you, something powerful begins to happen. You can't walk past the things that you used to walk past. You can't, um, you can't just walk into the place of prayer past that crippled person anymore. Because Holy Spirit will start speaking to you about needs that need to be met in the world. You know, Acts chapter 3 In fact, the main theme of Acts chapter three to five is the way 
in which the weakness of the first Christians brought them into conflict with the Jewish leaders. It's about um, the Acts of the Apostles is really about the witness of his resurrection power on display in their world. You know, Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says, And the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive power to be my witnesses. See, I believe that um, a part of our witnessing is miracles, it's signs, it's signs, it's wonders, it's casting out demons, it's moving in a whole lot of the gifts of the Spirit. But it is certainly not those things. They're, they're not at the heart of why we receive the power. We receive the power and the baptism of the Holy Spirit because He wants to empower us to be an effective witness for Him. That's what it's about. And so it's not encounter for encounter's sake, although God is a good God. It's not Holy Spirit's presence just for the sake of it. And whatever your church tradition is, whether it's speaking in tongues or seeing people fall out under the power of God or seeing manifestations of the Spirit in services or in home meetings or on the streets or whatever it might be, they are all so that we can be a witness. They are not so that we can have nice Christian services. They are there so that we can be a witness. It's quite fascinating as we read these two chapters, chapters three, or three, four, and five rather, that we see the Jewish leaders are fruitlessly trying to stop them preaching in the name of Jesus. And we see this right throughout it. But I want to zoom in on one point today, just one thing, and I want to put a challenge out to you around this right now. It says, now when Peter and John, verse number one of Acts chapter three, went up together to the temple, at the hour of prayer. And as I was praying and as I was reading this text and asking the Holy Spirit to speak to me, I felt the Holy Spirit ask me the question as I was reading this text, Matt, who are you with together? What does your togetherness look like? I believe one of the greatest tragedies in the church is we're not doing things together. I believe that this new wineskin of church and this new way of approaching our Christianity is, a, is through a greater sense of togetherness in the body of Christ. I believe that dom denominations are going to be a thing of the past very soon. I believe that um, I'm not saying that there won't be certain groups and there won't be this and that, but I really believe that what's in God's heart is that we wouldn't refer to ourselves as I'm a part of this group or I'm a part of that group, but we would begin to realize that we are actually the body of Christ. We're not the ACC or the Baptists or the Pentecostals or the Church of Christ or the Anglicans or whatever that title is. No, we are the body. We are the church. We are the bride of Jesus Christ. And the only way that we can have truly macro togetherness is when we lay down our positions and lay down our agendas and lay down our will and, and come to this place where we are more committed to walking together than we are to having success. Togetherness is so important and we see it right throughout the scriptures. In fact, we see it through how Jesus released the disciples. 
He released them in multiple places, multiple times. I'm thinking about when he sent, sent them out two by two as the 72 to go and minister to those that, that needed it. We see this often through the life of the apostles as we, as we read through Romans and, and uh, Ephesians and Galatians and Titus and Timothy. They were often just not um, isolated on their own. There was a togetherness, this power in being together. And that's what I want to challenge you today. There's power in being together. So if this was a question that I wanted to ask you rather than a statement, I don't really, I want to, I want to communicate the statement of this power in being together. But more importantly, I want you to invite God. I want you to invite the Holy Spirit into your space right now, into your life. And I want you to deeply think about who, who am I connected with? Who is my togetherness? Who's the person, who's my running partner? Who's that person that uh, we're walking side by side? Let me read a few quick scriptures. Matthew chapter 18, verse 20. You might know this one. It says, where two or three gather in my name, there I am in the midst of them. Togetherness. Where two or three gather in my name, I am with them. I am there with them. When you gather, the togetherness is so important. And you've heard me speak about this before. Um, but when Jesus said, um, when Jesus when Jesus speaks about um, the church and he says, on this rock, I will build my church. That is the word ecclesia. And that word ecclesia literally means the called out ones, not the called out one. It's a plural word. It's a them and a they rather than a him or a she. And the whole idea is, is that we are his body together. We're not just a cell or a limb or a hand or an organ operating on our own, but we are committed to togetherness because we are Christ's body. And uh, the Bible teaches us that we are like a, a cell. We are a, a many membered or a many celled body and we are powerful together in Jesus name. I also want to highlight that the difference between the football club, the RSL club, the uh, the community club, if you like, and they're wonderful things that are part of our community. But the difference is, is what name are we gathering in? If we're gathering in the name or under the banner or the purpose is for um, for a football team, that's fine. But don't expect God's presence in that place because the key is, am I gathering in his name? Am I gathering in the name of Jesus? And so what that suggests to me is that my relationships, my togetherness around the person of Jesus has to be intentional. So it can't just be lattes and muffins and, 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 and hanging out. It's, there's got to be intent to it. And I want to really challenge you around that, especially in our Australian culture. We can just catch up for the sake of catching up. And I believe in doing that. For those of you that personally know me, I love doing that. I love hanging out. I love um, spending time with friends and family and getting to know people in our church community at Empower. But the truth is that there has to be a togetherness and the thing that we are united around that brings the oneness and the unity is that we are gathering around Jesus. We are gathering in his name. 
Ecclesiastes 4, 9 to 12 says, Two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity to the man who falls with no one to help him up. We've got to be together. Also, verse 11, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A three, a cord of three strands is not quickly bro broken. And I've used this so many times at weddings, talking about the union between a husband and a wife as they come together and that three-folded strand, the three-folded cord, hang on, weren't we talking about two? Yeah, but when, when you come in unity in the name of Jesus, in, with the purpose in mind to bless the name of Jesus and to glorify him and to speak about him and to grow to being more like him, then he appears in the midst of that relationship. And so a two-folded, two-corded strand, that's, that can be broken. But there's something that is exponential when you add that third cord in that it can't be broken. And that's what happens when we gather in the name of Jesus, and we commit to togetherness. Proverbs 27, 17, iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. And so it's important um, that you gather around like-minded people. Like, I'm not saying cancel relationships that aren't around Jesus. I'm just saying make sure that you do have relationships that the iron is sharpening iron. Because there's a thing about iron, if that iron isn't committed to rubbing in the right way, iron can also blunt iron. As one man blunteth another. <laughs> We've got to be people that are committed to being in right relationships. As I said, don't go cancelling those relationships with people. That's not what I'm teaching today. But I am imploring you to find some people that you can be in togetherness with. I believe that it is so vital for the church in these times. Togetherness. Last scripture, Proverbs 20, 12 verse 26. A righteous man is cautious in friendship, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. And so who you hang around, you become like. Our togetherness is so vital. Think about it, David and Jonathan and the amazing things that their togetherness brought about for the nation of Israel and for that generation. Think about Moses and Aaron and their togetherness. Think and, and, and the miraculous signs and wonders and the divine, um, the God's divine exit strategy for the Israelites coming out of 400 years of captivity and then walking out into freedom. Think about the togetherness that brought that about. It wouldn't have happened with just Moses. He was flawed. It wouldn't have happened with just Aaron. He didn't have the access that Moses did being someone that grew up in Pharaoh's house. It was their togetherness that brought about something incredible. Think about Elijah and Elisha. It was their togetherness that allowed two generations Elijah and then Elisha to move in a double portion. It was their togetherness that released that into the earth. Think about Naomi and Ruth. What a powerful commitment that they had to being together and the breakthrough and the miracle that that released 
for her family. Think about Paul and Timothy. Think about uh, the sons of thunder, Peter, James, and John, the togetherness. Think about Jesus choosing the 12 disciples. Could have he done the, the, the death, burial, and resurrection on his own? Absolutely, but there's something powerful and incredible about togetherness. Think about you and your Christianity on your own, but then Jesus says, I'm gonna go because it's gonna be better for you when I do. I'm gonna send a helper, the Holy Spirit. Think about the togetherness of you with the Holy Spirit. Think about Hebrews when it says, uh, do not forsake the gathering, the togetherness of the brethren of the church, of you and other believers. And so this whole thing is about understanding that the miraculous is released. It's released on the platform of our togetherness. Togetherness is important. And I really believe that this is a word for our church. I believe it's a word for the body of Christ right now to be committed to being together, to realize that there is power in our togetherness. And so again, the question that I wanna ask you today is who are you connected with? What does your togetherness look like? Are you in intentional relationships? Are you in, a relation, are you in relationships with friends and people that can challenge you, can ask you deep, honest things about your prayer life? Is it happening? How's your growth in reading and understanding the scriptures? Are you spending time with the Holy Spirit? What's the Lord speaking to you about on this subject? Because your togetherness in regards to that is so important. You're not called to just be on your own. I don't believe, I don't believe it to be true that you can be someone that says, cool, don't, don't attend Sundays, but if you don't have togetherness, if you think you can do your Christianity on your own, yes, you can believe in Jesus, but you're robbing yourself of so much rich growth and development, and you truly won't mature as a believer to the fullness of what God's got for your life unless you are doing it with someone. You gotta be together, and so, I pray that you would invite the Holy Spirit to say, who am I together with? Who's my John? If you read Acts chapter three, which I encourage you to do in chapter four and chapter five, John is like Peter's silent partner. John doesn't say a thing throughout this whole thing. We don't know if he prayed for him. We don't know if he was just standing by. But what we do know is that Peter and John, they went together and when you make a commitment to go together. And it might start with just going, all right, I'm a Sunday church attender at the moment. I've got to commit to being together. Who can, who can I do that? Maybe it's just one other person. When you, would you have the courage and the boldness to invite them and say, hey, I need your help. Can we commit? Can we, can we keep each other accountable? Can we be transparent with one another? But togetherness is so important. Hey, look out for the next video. Hit subscribe, like, do all those sorts of things. We love you. And uh, we're praying for you. We're praying that you would find that running partner, that you would find that someone that you can walk with. Praying that you find a church community that you can do that with. God bless you. We'll see you next time.